Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. My name's Scott. I'm one of the associate pastors today. And today we're continuing on in a message series called Stories to Live By. And what you found is that years and years ago, when Jesus actually walked among us, he often used memorable stories to communicate life-changing truth. All right? He could have just simply spoken do's and don'ts, but he knew that a good story gets the job done better. So in the Bible, the stories of Jesus, which we call parables, are more than just, you know, for the purposes of being entertaining. They're meant to bring life-changing truth, and it's a good story with real, hard, difficult truth blended in. So, in fact, we have over 40 of these parables recorded in the first four books of the New Testament in the Bible, um, which are called the Gospels. And these are letters, uh, or these are, these are recordings of Jesus' life by his closest followers. So um, today, we're looking at five over the series, and today is the third of five stories. So if you missed the first two, you can check out our website, orangecrestcc.org, and you can actually listen there to hear the other messages if you want to catch up. So before we jump in, I'm going to briefly pray, and then we'll continue on. So Lord, I just ask you to help today, Lord. Um, As we were just singing, Lord, we need you. We need you to open our hearts so we may receive and understand your truth, Lord. Some things in life are hard to hear from you, God, because it goes against what's in our nature, and in what makes sense to us, Lord. But God, we need it. We need to know your truth, Lord. If, if you are real, which I firmly believe you are, Lord, then you have something to say about life since you created it. And so thank you for giving us your word, which is your revelation of how things work. And may we learn from it and know how to navigate um, difficult things. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we get into this parable, I want to start off and kind of set the stage here by telling you a couple stories about myself that might help. So first of all, over the last decade or so, I have been the victim of theft, all right? And it's not lightly. I've actually had my car stolen twice, okay? Got about both times. One time it wasn't in good condition. And I've actually been burglarized. Our house has been broken into three times. So I should probably use the locks from now on, maybe. Just kidding. Just kidding. So um, when I found this out, though, I was so angry, guys. I was so mad. Um, I called the cops, you know, and I was like, all right, we're going to get our stuff back. But I was really hoping they could find the people and bring them to justice, you know. In fact, which is a normal thing. In fact, I uh, found myself daydreaming about the various ways that maybe I can lure them back in, you know. I was like... I think I know who stole my car, so I'm going to try to get them to come again, and I'm going to hide in the back seat and wait all night, you know, things like that, you know. And then what I would do when I found them, um, you know, I mean, come on, it wasn't a really nice car. I mean, I need my stuff. We don't have, like, a big house. Can't really afford to lose a lot. Matter of fact, one time they stole my kids' piggy banks, and it was obvious that they were piggy banks. They each lost about 75 bucks each. That's a lot of money to a kid. Um, and, like, who does that? I wanted justice. My first thought wasn't to give forgiveness or grace or mercy. I wanted justice, which is pretty normal, and maybe justice needs to be served in certain cases like that. But guess what? You want to know the worst part about this? 
When I was a teenager, I hate to admit this. When I was a teenager, I went on a small theft spree. Sorry. Might have lost your respect now. And I repented of that and was forgiven. So how is it that after committing a similar crime, and we'll say similar, I was so eager to render justice and revenge. Not just justice, but revenge. You know? All right, it's one thing to talk about people we know know, and the problems we have with them. It's easy to make enemies. But what about the people we live with? What about, you know, vengeance and justice with the people we live with? So here's another story. Um, that I really hesitate to tell you because it also doesn't make me look too good. So a few years ago, I totaled my wife's car, all right? My fault, cell phone deal, totaled it, done. My wife's response was sad but gracious, you know, totally gracious. So we bought her a new car. She loves her new car. It was great. We're driving around. No more than three months later, I rear in somebody. My fault. Didn't total it, though. Did some serious damage. Had to be repaired. Her response again, sad but gracious. So, a few months ago, all right, um, <laughs> I finally get this um, 19-year-old forerunner, and I've been really wanting this car for a long time, and there's three cars in my life I've really loved, and this is the second most loved car of mine, all right? And uh, I really like it. And I came outside, and I see about a nickel-sized dent right in the middle of the hood. And I'm like, oh, man, couldn't have been somewhere else. Everybody could see it now. And I just started imagining in my head all the paint cracking and eventually the whole hood being destroyed, you know. And and, um, my wife confessed to me, I'm sorry, I was up in the garage attic, and I actually knocked something down and hit your car. Will you forgive me? I wasn't so quick to be kind. I really wanted her to to understand how this affected me. You know, to hear my thoughts, to hear my whinings. All right? And so, you know, I felt justified in my frustration towards her. You know, I was going to forgive her, but we needed to have a little process here of here making her pay a little bit so she knew how serious this was. And I'm really sad I did that. And I finally did come to my senses. And when I did, guess what? I knew I needed to go and give full forgiveness and actually seek forgiveness for making her pay. I was hesitant still, guys. I was hesitant to humble myself. I mean, you know, what's wrong with me? I'm a Christian, right? I'm a pastor, guys. What's wrong with us? C.S. Lewis wrote, Forgiveness is a beautiful word until you have something to forgive. And I think, I really believe what he's doing is he's capturing here the very essential flaw, one of the very essential flaws we have of being human. We struggle to to give forgiveness even while the fruits, even while enjoying the fruits of receiving forgiveness. Let's do that again. We struggle to give forgiveness even while enjoying the fruits of receiving forgiveness. This is a problem, guys, because we're actually made for healthy relationships, right? We need them. We want them. Some of you may want to be a hermit and go to the mountains, but it's not going to end well. 
Um, try to imagine right now everyone you loved and did life with if they just suddenly disappeared. It'd be rough. I used to be a grief counselor for a number of years to mostly widows and widowers. And I was consistently, constantly amazed after encountering it over and over and over again how disruptive it is to someone's life when they lose someone special to them. For a long time, it's disruptive. So think of every movie you've ever seen where the character's either the last person on earth or trapped on an island like Tom Hanks. I said Tom Cruise in the first service, but Tom Hanks in Castaway. I don't know if Tom Cruise would do well by himself, but... Um, Tom Hanks and Castaway, you know, or Will Smith and I Am Legend, they start talking to volleyballs and mannequins and just because they need community. It's a major part of the narrative of who we are is that we need relationships. Well, guess what else is a major part of the narrative of who we are? We hurt one another. I'm not excusing that hurt. I'm not saying, oh, well, we hurt one another, so get over it. We need to change. We need to stop hurting one another. But that's a message for another day. Today's a message on forgiveness. So here's the heart of the problem before we get in our parable. We need close relationships. We need them, right? We continue to hurt one another. Even while we're in the process of change and maturing, even in the best circumstances, we still continue to hurt one another. And we struggle to forgive. We like forgiveness, but we struggle to give it. So today we're going to look at a specific parable called the unforgiving servant, and this may help us. So this parable is found in the book of Matthew, which is one of Jesus. Matthew is one of Jesus' 12 closest disciples, and uh, this man actually died for his faith and devotion to Jesus. So we might want to pay attention to his writings. And in this part of Matthew, Jesus is alone with his closest followers, and he's actually trying to share with them some very specific aspects of life from God's angle. He's actually turning their values upside down, saying statements, you know, telling them parables and stories and giving them um, truth. Things like, you gain honor by serving others. Instead of getting revenge, you forgive and do good to your enemy. You gain true wealth by giving your wealth away. These are hard things for us to hear. So while Jesus is teaching all this, he answers a very real and serious question that we all have. And this is one of his disciples actually has. His name is Peter. And Peter asks a question. And here it is. So let's take a look. It says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, which is doing wrong, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Now, Peter thinks he's being super generous here, guys, because the Jewish custom of the time is to forgive somebody three times. So seven times, hey, that's, um, that's more than double, being pretty generous. Essentially what he's saying is when do we stop forgiving and start implementing revenge and wrath on those who wrong us? When do we write people off? When is enough enough? These are serious questions. I'm not making light of this. This is hard. Now, just to clarify, this is a message on forgiveness, not on trust and boundaries, guys. Those are aspects of reconciliation that are, we, we, you have to think broader than just simple forgiveness. So that's another message for another day, but today we're going to talk about forgiveness. Okay, I just want to clarify that. This is not on trust 
Forgiveness is not on boundaries. However, forgiveness is key. It's our starting point for reconciling in relationships. So let's see what Jesus says to him and how he answers this question. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. He's not given an exact number here, by the way. It's not like, all right, now you got your little pocket. Now, there's 63 times, you know. Um, some versions actually have it 70 times seven, so that's a bigger number, you know. So basically, he's using a form of writing called hyperbole here. Of storytelling, and he's actually letting you know, he's exaggerating, basically saying that there's no end to our forgiveness. There's no end. This is not what we want to hear, is it? It's one thing if you're suffering minor hurts from people, but not when you're suffering big ones or continual ones. This isn't what we want to hear. You might be saying, how in the world am I going to pull that off, Jesus? My situation is different. Anytime, guys, the Bible tells me something that I don't really want to hear or that maybe doesn't make sense to how I think life works, those are the times I really need to pay attention. A mentor of of mine once said that the Bible has ruined many of his best ideas. He actually says that his first, his first Bible he had when he really began to study God has tears on it, tear stains, because he thought God was different than what he found out. He actually thought God was a little tamer. <laughs> so anyways, so Jesus is going to tell us a parable here to help Peter and his disciples and us to understand our forgiveness struggle and to see it from a different angle, and that's God's angle. Sometimes we have to zoom out and see things from God's angle to really understand how we're going to apply it. So let's look at what it says in the passage. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle his accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. All right? You all know what 10,000 talents is, right? I can move on. Just kidding. So we kind of need to know what that is in order to understand this parable because there's going to be another figure later that we need to compare it with. So the best way, and please don't get hung up on this, the best way in my research I know how to explain what 10,000 talents is, is to compare it to this servant's annual wage. I was trying to get a dollar amount for you, but I figured there'd be a lot of, we'd lose some stuff there, because we're going to have to like weigh gold and then measure that to silver, and then we're going to have to measure that to you know, inflation and all this economic stuff, and it was too much math. So... I did some research and found out that this is basically, and this is crazy, guys. This is 200,000 years of this guy's salary. It would take this man 200,000 years of an annual wage to make 10,000 talents. I'm thinking, how did you get into that kind of debt? (laughs) Who let you? What kind of finance or lender was that? (laughs) Talk about subprime. but the idea here is is Jesus is telling a parable, guys. This isn't a real story. It's real in the sense that the truth is real, but it's an exaggeration. And the exaggeration is, and here's the point we need to take away from this, this debt was unpayable, completely, utterly, absolutely unpayable. 
In fact, um, Jesus here, just so we don't miss it, we'll come back to what we learned from this parable later, but I want to draw a direct correlation. Jesus is directly correlating the, man, the debt that this servant has to his king as our debt to God for our sin against God, our wrong approach of living against God, us missing the mark for God's ways. So keep that in mind. So let's continue on. And since he could not pay, obviously, his master ordered him to be sold, guys. His wife and his children and all that they have be sold. So he's going to be sold into slavery under another master somewhere else. Probably a lot, 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 lot worse, horrible life. Sold into slavery. So the man then fell, the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. I mean, at that point, he's just grasping at straws. Matter of fact, the only option for someone in this man's position when he owes a debt that he can't be paid, just like we do to God, is to humble himself and plead for mercy. So let's see what the master does, all right? And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him all the debt. Wow. Imagine that. You owe 200,000 years of your wage, and it's completely forgiven. You were, you were called to account, and you were going to be sold, your family, everything you own into slavery, and that no longer is going to happen. You're free. You're free. So this guy probably went out, had a party, right, celebrating his new status, probably invited some buddies over, went into more debt again to have this great party. You know, it was going to be a great time. So let's see what he did. But then that when the same servant went out, which went out, who knows how long that is. It doesn't sound like long. Went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. We need to know what a hundred denarii is. All right. Using our same comparison, a hundred denarii is about 20 weeks of this servant's wages. Significant amount of money, right? Think about if somebody owed you 20 weeks of your wage. That'd be a nice chunk of change to get your hands on. You could do something with that. You would want that money. It's not like 10 bucks, you know. 20 weeks. It's almost five months, you know. It's pretty good. But there's no distinction here to 200,000 years, right? Have you ever really tried to consider how much greater our sin to God is? Have you ever actually even tried to consider what our sin to God even is? Like, what did we do wrong to God? I get the whole thing with each other. We get that. But what did we do to him? I'm going to explain. I'm going to try to help you explain it here in a moment. But first, I want to understand. When I think in terms of, because I actually have. I've actually sat, you know, when I became a Christian and really started studying the Bible and understanding what it meant to follow God and really trying to get my mind around this whole new reality. You know, I was trying to, wow, I wonder how much greater it is to God. Because I see in the Bible that there's distinction here. And I read parables like this. And I think usually in terms like 20 times worse or a thousand times worse even. But do you want to know what it is in this comparison? It's 520,000 times worse. 20 weeks of wages compared to 200,000 years. 520,000 times worse. Now, I don't, Jesus isn't trying to say that the exact number of how worse our wrong approach to life towards God is than our wrong approach to each other. 
what he's trying to say is that there's a vast chasm between our wrong towards one another and our wrong towards God. A vast chasm. So here's how I get my mind around this. When I try to understand, what do we do wrong towards God? This kind of helps me, so maybe it'll help you. So imagine this. If the God of the Bible is real, which I really believe he is, many of you do too as well, here's what he says about himself. He created everything in the entire universe, everything. If there's evidence of a multiverse, you know, that's hot right now in sci-fi, then he created that too. (laughs) He made time, guys. He existed before time was created. Time. If you're a physics person, you understand that. There's no beginning or end. Nothing is greater than he anywhere or any time and ever will be. He upholds every subatomic particle in the entire universe. You ever imagine the sun? And there's billions of suns. Every subatomic particle in the entire universe and in your body. Every second. He keeps our heart beating. So we have this God who made us, and he made us to be his people, right? He created us to be his people. And he gave us a pretty good life, a good life. So from the very first people, Adam and Eve, we basically looked at him, said, looks pretty cool. No thanks. I'll be my own ruler. No thanks. I'll be my own ruler. When I think about it in those terms, it seems like madness to me. It seems like madness to me that I would ever say to God, which I have with my actions, which I have with my words, which I have with my life. I got this, God. Don't tell me how to think, feel, act, live. It seems like madness. So, Maybe that'll help you. Maybe it doesn't. There's actually more to the story than that. But just sit with that for a little while. But let's move on with our story. So our servant, you know, he's been forgiven this great debt. He went out and he found his buddy who owes him money. He's probably going to pay it forward and forgive him too. It's going to be great because he's received this great forgiveness 520,000 times more than him. And he's just, oh, yeah, that's a drop in the bucket. Sure, man, join me in the world of debt freeness. So let's see if he does that. And seizing him, uh uh-oh, that's not a good start. He began to choke him. That's even a worse start. Pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Okay, maybe he's going to forgive him now because he's pleading. Have patience with me and I will pay you. He'll actually be able to probably. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the whole debt. Man, what a villain. What a villain. Choked the guy out, attacked him violently, and threw him in prison. Don't worry, guys. He's going to get tattled on here, okay? Let's continue. It says, when his fellow servants saw that this was taking place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. I want you to listen to these words, guys, and take them to heart. All right? Here it is. Then his master summoned him and said to him, 
You wicked servant. I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, in anger, guys, his master delivered him to the jailers. Some verses says tormentors, some some versions. Until he should pay all his debt. He never will. So also my heavenly father will do the same to every one of you. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is a heavy, scary passage. I don't like it. One could even get off on a tangent here, in case you're already wondering this, and start worrying about other different aspects of following God. If you've been walking with God for a while, that may apply here. Like, and we'll move on from this quickly, but like, if I struggle to forgive or mess up, is God done with me? Or if I've already found true forgiveness from God and committed my life to making him the boss of my life, which is the Bible's definition, which that's the definition of being a Christian, can I lose that? Is there not an assurance that that's forever? I'm not going to be able to resolve all this today. And that's okay, guys. What I have found that some of my best growth spurts with God, some of my very, very best growth spurts, have come through the wrestling with hard passages like this to land on the truth. Remember, the Bible says that the truth will set you free, so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of it. But to help you resolve some tension so we can move on and I don't lose you, <clears throat> and that's okay, I want you to remember, we need to remember that Jesus is not being asked a question about assurance of salvation here. He's asking, a, he's answering a question just about forgiveness. So let's not make more of the story. And also, however, I, I, you know, I do think, though, guys, that one lesson we do learn from the end of this parable is this, is that one of the distinguishing marks of a true believer, someone who truly believes in God and follows him, one of the distinguishing marks means that you will end up developing a pattern of forgiveness that is limitless as you mature through life. It's good news. This is possible for us. So, let's talk about what we learn from this parable. I want to tie it into a nice bow for you on your listening guide. And I want to help you take this home so you can think about it. So, first thing we learn is that limitless forgiveness, this type of limitless forgiveness, is hard it's hard. You see from this parable and from your own experiences, you know, that this is hard. And according to Jesus, guys, limitless, limitless forgiveness is what's required to have successful relationships with man and to be right with God. So think about it just for a minute. What are the hard things for you to forgive? What are the hard patterns? Is it the constant irritations? Is it the slaps to your ego? Is it the perpetual sin over and over and over and over again? Is it the big ones? If you could see your sin from God's perspective, what patterns would you see in your own life? Over and over again. 
Guys, forgiveness is always, always, always going to require a risk. And leaving justice to someone else. It always requires that. So, next point we learn is we need to be aware, guys. If we're going to do this, we need to be aware of our debt to God. We really need to be aware of that. You need to study that, think about that, ponder that, freak out about that. Um, Again, the debt in this passage is referring to our debt we have from God because of sin. Just like the servant was brought to this master, guys, one day we will be brought to God to answer for our life. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And our debt, is the, our debt is the sin that separates us from God. Just like the servant and his family were going to be sold, God is separated from us because of our sin. So Romans 2, 8 and 9 says, But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. It's not a popular thing. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and the Greek. Guys, becoming a Christian, walking with God, is not just some gimmick or strategy to make our lives better. Don't hear me wrong, though. I really believe that the Bible has the true answers for how to walk through life. There's so much to learn about how to walk with God. I do believe that the Bible has the answers for our life. It is the better life. But understand this. That what, what God is saying is that we have a huge debt to him. And it needs to be paid. Or else we have a very wrath-filled, angry, vengeful God who is justified and right in implementing that justice on mankind. But guess what? He's also merciful and loving to the point that he made a way with his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our debt, for our 200,000 years of wages. He made a price. He made a way for us to be forgiven through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can find mercy from God. We can be reunited. And then we can start living differently. The next fill in the blank is this. The only way to get our debt forgiven is to humbly ask for it. There's no way to pay it off. Just like the servant in the story pled with his master not to sell him and his family. We need to turn to God, turn away from our wrong approach, say, I am sorry. Please forgive me. I don't want to do life that way anymore, so help. That's what it means to come to to become a Christian. We need to humbly ask for it and receive his forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We can receive that by faith. It's a free gift of forgiveness that we can never earn or pay off. We can never earn it. We humbly ask for it just like the servant, the servant did. So, Proverbs 28:13 says whoever conceals his sin Excuse me, his transgressions will not prosper. 
but who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So last, we also learn that God set the standard of forgiveness. Ephesians 4.23 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is how we can have hope in forgiving one another, guys, by receiving the gold standard of forgiveness, by understanding and receiving God's forgiveness. You know how our modern currency only doesn't really have any intrinsic value, right? It's just paper. It only has value because we agree it has value. Some forgiveness is kind of like that, but it's fickle. As long as we have an agreement that we forgave each other, it's solid, right? But as soon as we disagree, it's done. God's forgiveness is not like that. We actually have a power to truly forgive. He's kind of like how the gold standard used to be for money. This is probably an analogy that breaks down at some point here, but bear with me. Um, just like gold, or just like money used to have a certain weight of gold backing it held at the treasury, you know, so it actually had value. Our forgiveness of one another can actually have power when we receive it from God first. But we have to receive it to fully understand it. So what is our response to all this? What should we do with this? And I want to quickly, not quickly, I want to go over this a little bit slowly, but it's in your next steps section on the back of your handout. And and I want to basically, and each one of you are probably in one of these three next steps here, right? And these are your responses. So first of all, first one is you can just thank God for the great forgiveness you have received. You know, today this message, the story reminds you of like, yes, I have this and I have seen the power of God in my life to be able to forgive others. And I'm amazed by it continually. Even when I find that point, like I have in my stories where I'm like, I really don't want to do this, but you're able to humble yourself, break through and forgive. You're like surprised by that still. And so thank God in worship. And praise, thanking him for the gift that he has given you to do something very, very, very hard for humans. This is hard, and keep forgiving. Similarly, you know, you may need to ask God for for specific help in forgiving a person. So you may have already received God's, you know, forgiveness. You may understand this, but you've kind of hit a wall in your maturity in your life. You're kind of at your growth edge, and you're having a hard time forgiving a person. I've included a prayer, the prayer template there on the bottom of the back of your handout that you can take with you later and go over. And this is just a prayer. It's a way that you can start a conversation with God in order to begin processing through this struggle with him. If God's real, he'll help you. You just have to ask for it. And so there's also some passages in there that you can look up in your Bible to help you grow and understand this area. And there's some great truth in that prayer template. So I encourage you to do that if this is who you are. And then last but surely not least, most important of all, is receive true forgiveness from God because of Jesus Christ. So maybe you've been exploring what Christianity is all about. You like it. It's interesting to you. And you realize, like, man, I struggle to forgive over and over and over again. I need some help. I need this power that this pastor's talking about right now. And you realize that you're actually in need of receiving God's real forgiveness once and for all so that you can pass it along to others. You can select the box on the back of your connection card if this is you. I'd like information about following Jesus. And somebody will contact you this week and gently talk with you about that. No pressure. Gently talk with you. 
But if you want to talk to somebody today, we'd love to talk with you. And we'll, some of our pastors and other staff will be at the welcome table. Please feel free to come up and say, hey, I'd like to talk about this area of forgiveness and how I can receive forgiveness from Jesus Christ. And we'll be gentle and help you understand that. So I'm going to invite the band to come up on, on stage now as I close. And um, guys, relationships are important, right? To the enjoyment of life and just to God, he made us this way. And so, but we have a problem, and that is that we step on one another's toes over and over and over and over and over again. But if we're going to continue to get along, which we need to, we have to tap into God's power to forgive. It will only be with his gold standard of forgiveness and his help, guys that we continue to forgive one another day after day. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this truth. Lord, thank you that you're real. Thank you that you've taught us your ways. Thank you for who you are and your story, God. It's a, it's a great story, and it's a great truth, Lord. It's a great reality. We can have forgiveness with you, and we can forgive one another, God. Help us to understand our debt to you so that we may receive True forgiveness and feel the freedom, God, of the man in the story of being relieved of 200,000 years of wages. Lord, if we've forgotten about what we've been forgiven of, Lord, help us to ponder that this week and really contemplate and think through, God, you have really forgiven me. Thank you. I am clean. I am clean in your eyes. I can commune with the holy ruler of the universe and I can start to grow and you can help me so thank you for that Lord and I pray for everybody here in whatever stage of life they're at and Lord I pray for those who are still exploring what Christianity Lord is reveal yourself to them in a very real way today and this week in Jesus name Amen thanks so much for joining us today we pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.